Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for this Sabbath day when we can come apart from our, our cares and our tasks and our projects to focus our thoughts and our intentions upon Thee. Lord, we realize that the Sabbath was not given for You. The Sabbath was given for us, that one day in seven we could rest and we could recharge and we could spend more time in prayer, more time in the Word, more time with brethren and friends speaking of spiritual things. Lord, in your wisdom, you realized we couldn't deal with seven days in a row of toil, but we needed to rest, just as fields need one in seven to rest. So Lord, teach us to keep the Sabbath and to remember it as a blessing to us. And now, Lord, we invite thee to not just be with us in this morning, but to speak to us. Lord, deal with us, beginning with thy servant, in a way that seemeth good unto thee. Lord, be with those that can't be with us. We're mindful of Sister Hilda, who's not able to join us. We're mindful of Aunt Laney also, and others, Lord, Brother Roger and Sister Paulette, those who find themselves in difficult straits. Visit them, bless them, minister to them. Lord, be with those that have traveled away. We pray that they might, they might be a blessing wherever they go, and that they might also be afforded travel mercies to come home safely. Lord, be with those who find themselves in harm's way, those that, that protect our land, those that are serving the sick in this day. Bless them as well. And now, Lord, we'll thank Thee for the blessings that we know we shall receive, for they are promised out of Thy word in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Dear ones, earlier this morning, the Lord led me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I believe the Lord would have us use that as the basis of our meditations today. I spent a lot of time yesterday pretending to be a backhoe operator. Boy, am I glad I don't do that for a living. Who would think that sitting on a tractor could be that tiring? Um, but switching between trying to get the seat to rotate properly so that I could reposition the tractor. and Anyways, I am thankful. It's, it's one of those things that when you're a kid you think would be fun until you really do it. And then I'm so glad that, that I, the Lord led me to be a tool and die maker and not a contractor. Um, but I had a lot of time to spend listening to scriptures. I, our fam, some of us in the family have given, challenged each other to go through the Bible in a whole year, and, and I'm doing it audibly. I, I, I really process audible books better than, than, than reading them, and so I was, a, I was a little bit behind. So I had a lot of time yesterday to catch up, and the Lord was leading me through the book of Nehemiah and, and into the book of Ezra, and that will come up into this as well. But, and also... Um, an experience I made this week where I was, I was attending a training online and it challenged me with a thought. The, the speaker challenged me with a thought that I'm going to come back to after we read this scripture. So 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with the first verse. 
Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that body one, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear say, because I am not the eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are, the, are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have need, no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And if those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and more uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked." that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, Thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles of gifts and healings and helps and governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly 
the best gifts, and yet show I you a more excellent way. I'm going to continue into 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth nothing. Through verse 3 in chapter 13. Dear ones, the teaching that, the phrase in a teaching that struck me yesterday, uh, on Thursday, was this. So it was, uh, it was a gentleman that is um, vice president of, of Maxwell Leadership, and he was one of the founding members of the group, and he's been, he's, he's what people refer to as a product of the product. He has, he has grown and developed professionally based on the teachings that were available to him. And he said, I recalled the first or second meeting of this organization. And he said it was a question and answer period. And some of these people said to John Maxwell, hey, John, would you be willing to market us? And John looked puzzled. And they proceed again. Would you be willing to market us, like take our names and, and run ads for us so we can get business? And John held up a book, whatever book was the latest release. And he looked at Mark Cole, his CEO, and said, Mark, what don't they understand? If the book hasn't changed them, it won't change anybody. If the book hasn't changed them, it won't change anybody. And the Lord really sparked my interest with that statement. Yes, that was a professional, you know, business type of thing. And what John was saying was, if, you be, if, you, if the content that you're absorbing is changing you, People will see that, and they will want you to help them. Maybe the book was The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. I don't know. But what I thought about in that moment was, if this book has not changed me, how can God ever use me to reach people? So the question that I ask you folks this morning is, has this book changed you? Are you different because of this book. This is the book. This is the book that has changed the hearts of men and women for thousands of years. It will change us if we let it change us. And so I was, I was just so, I got so inspired by that thought. And one of the questions and so when we, uh, one of the things that Mike's also going to be having to talk to us about as members is an annual business meeting. We got to have it before a, a bunch of our snowbirds fly south. So hopefully the weather will be nice and they won't have this earning, burning desire, this urging to go south. But in our business meeting, and I've shared this with you already, that, that I'd like to present some things to the membership that some of us have been working on for a while. 
in terms of mission and vision for our church. But when I started working with the young brothers last spring, I asked them a question. And the question was this, why are we here? I ask you that same question. Why are we here? Why, why, why is it that God didn't just say, you know, once I save them, we'll take them to heaven? Once we're redeemed, once we've, we've gotten to the point where we've accepted the shed blood of Christ and we are reborn, regenerated, renewed, why not just take us to heaven? But he doesn't. Because there's a reason why we're here. And one of the things that, you know, I've, I've, I've been thinking a lot in the last several years about the different religions. You know, there are religions that teach people to be very, very good. They have a good moral basis in these religions. And if people would simply live up to the codes of their religions, the world would be an amazing place. The problem is those religions tell you what to do, tell you what's expected, and that's it. Christianity is different. Christianity tells us in this amazing word, this book, as we can see the, his, the history of, of the Jewish people, the purpose of, the, of God, God bringing about the Jews and keeping them since the beginning of their creation as a nation was so that we could understand God and understand our position with him in that there's nothing we can do of ourselves to measure up to God and his standards. But we see that there's this beautiful transition that happens between the old covenant and the new covenant that we can see there's these 400 silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, when all of a sudden we make this transition from the law to grace. And we see the, 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 the introduction of Christ as the man, the part of the Godhead taking on flesh, coming to this earth to live a sinless life so that we could understand how that's done, and it's done through the power of the Spirit, if we avail ourselves to him. So not only did we find out we didn't measure up, not only did we learn the standard that God had, but he said, here's how you do it. And that's the beauty of Christianity. The other faiths, the other religions always have us coming up short. But God, in his mercy and in his love, created a path for us to live victorious, joyful lives. In Bible class, what, was, what were the two verses that Jeremy kept having us talk about? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The mercies of God are abundant and they're everlasting. Are we living that way? And are we letting the book change us so that we can begin to help God bring about change in other people's lives. That's why we're here. We are here, well, I, I think there's two reasons why we're here. One is that God desires to have a relationship with us, and relationships are forged on difficult ground. 
I could say, I remember once Brother Urs in a meeting many, many years ago, in a minister's meeting, said something to the effect of this, if there are never difficulties or conflicts, how will we know that we really love each other? Something like that, Brother Urs brought up. So true. You can't have a wonderful marriage with someone unless you've gone through challenging times. Because it's on that tough ground where relationships are forged. So when I'm going through a challenge in my life, when I, when I find myself feeling as though I'm going through the valley, that's when my relationship with the Lord is solidified, not when I'm on a mountaintop. Had the privilege a couple weeks ago to being on the top of Cadillac Mountain in Acadia National Park. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's one, I, have, I have so many favorite places now. It's a, God has just blessed us with so much around us to show us his grace and his majesty and his love for He didn't need to create it this beautiful, but he did. But you know what? Life is not sitting on the top of Cadillac Mountain. It's walking through valleys. It's going through challenges. It's not feeling well. It's, being, it's battling loss of loved ones and disappointment in relationships. But it's in those times when we realize that God is, not was, and that Jesus is, and not was. And as John wrote in 1 John 5, is it maybe 17, and as he is, meaning Christ, so are we in the world. So now let's, let's look at this scripture here. This is the scripture in, in Corinthians. It's, it's, it's Paul's talking about the church. And he's talking about, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant. Then he's talking about all of these gifts that are being given, and he's identifying them. But verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. All of us, each one of us. The, the, remember the scripture, and I don't remember where it is, but it refers to, Paul refers to the Holy Spirit as the earnest of our inheritance. An earnest is a down payment. So the down payment of our eternal life is the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Not only is he the down payment, but he is the power that lives within us. Remember the scripture that says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? That's the Spirit. He is in each one of us to be profitable for the kingdom. How are you profitable for the kingdom? We all, each one of us has multiple gifts. And then he talks about what they were, and I'm not going to go into what all the gifts are. We don't need to do that. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Not as I will, as God wills. But notice, that's not just one gift. Severally. What are your gifts? What do, you, what do you enjoy doing? How is God gifting you for the kingdom's purpose? We read a bunch of them here. Some could be prophecies. Some could be teaching. The one gift that we're not going to give, that we're not going to have here, with that being of an apostle, because they're done. The apostles came. They were the foundation of our faith. They gave us these teachings. They were used. They knew Christ. 
with the exception of the Apostle Paul, who learned to know Christ on the road to Damascus. But that group is done. But other than that, it's us. And it's been those that have been faithful to the calling of the Spirit ever since. Are you asking God to show you what your giftedness is? And some might say, well, that's, that's pretty arrogant. That's pretty proud. No, it's not. How can it be arrogant and proud to ask God to show you what he has given you? That's not pride. I'll tell you what is pride. Pride is knowing what our gift is and not being willing to use it. And I used, I used to worry about, you know, well, what, what, should I really say that I think I might have a gifting in this? And think about, the com- think about that thought. If it's a gift, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It was given to me by someone else's, based on someone else's favor. So it can't be proud to recognize it. I should be thankful for it. And I should utilize it. Think about the parable of the talents. What does God want us to do with the talents? Use them for the, gift, for the kingdom's sake. So that, the, so that the, the kingdom of God might flourish. And then he, he goes on, and I love how he keeps coming back to one, uh, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews, Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, have all been made to drink into one spirit. This beautiful unity. And I, and I, love, I, I love how the way Paul puts it. It doesn't matter. He, he covered everybody. The Jews who thought they were special, thought they were unique. They are God's chosen people. And they would like to remind us of that. Okay, fine. But then he talked about the Gentiles. And then he talked about those who were bond, those who were servants, those who were slaves. And then he talked about those who were free. And he said, guess what? We're all the same. We are all the same in Christ with one spirit that should be motivating us into one common focus of serving Christ and and in evangelizing the world in which we live. And then he goes on, he talks about, you know, can the foot say to the hand, I don't need you? We know what that's, you know, poor brother Hans is home trying to have a new knee, get, getting his body and his leg used to that new knee, and it's painful. I remember seeing brother Uli's pain when he went through it. And when, when I pray for brother Hans, it's like, oh, dear Lord, please help that brother, because this recovery is brutal. And the whole body is suffering because the knee. Remember when he would come before he had his new knee and he'd have his cane. And remember how we could, we just, we cringed because of it. His whole body was disoriented because the knee was bad. You know, when, when, when my hip starts to act up, and thankfully it's been really good lately. Dr. Cook might not like that because I haven't scheduled anything with him, but it's been really good lately. But when it's bad, everything's bad. When our head hurts, you know, my, my eyes give me issues from time to time, and it's just you get nauseous, and you, we need each other. And my brother and my sister, are we really sensitive to the needs within the fellowship? I'm not. And I will tell you this, that some of this is a gifting. There are some that have the gift of being extremely aware 
have a, a high level of social awareness. And I'm so thankful that those people are here. Because I love it when they say, I don't get upset when they say, you really should call so-and-so. Did you notice that somebody was missing? Did you notice that so-and-so didn't look? I'm sorry, I missed that. But thank you so much for telling me. So if that is your gift, exercise it. Share it with us. Some of you have the, have the gift of knowing exactly what other people love in their life. Like, you just know. Exercise that. Help us see it. There's others have the gifts of, of discerning of things. Discerning perhaps meaning. One of the things that's the best thing about a Bible study is the teacher learns more than the class. Because as we all discern the scriptures together, we learn from one another. Are we availing ourselves of it? If I would sit at home and study the word by myself, could the spirit teach me? Yes. But I'm kind of thick. And I'm kind of stubborn. And the Spirit uses a lot of other people to say, hmm, look at this. Did you think about this? The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we exercising ourselves in those gifts and are we allowing other people's gifts to be exercised in our own life? I heard someone say something once that I never thought of. And when I think of, of David, King David, I think he was, the, the scripture says, a man after God's own heart. Whoa. He was beloved of God. Wow. Did you read, and I never thought about this. David was an outcast in his own family. He was short. He was an outcast in his own family. I never would have thought of that. But I heard someone reference once that said, you know, that when David was selected as king, his own father didn't think he could do it. His own brothers were jealous of him because he was small. Not just young, he was small. But look what God did with him. So don't say I'm too small. Don't say, I'm, don't say I don't measure up to be a servant in the kingdom of God because David was one of the best warriors that the Israelites ever had. Why? Because he had faith in God, and he was merciful. One of the, one of the things that reasons why I know that, why I believe that, that God uh, and David had this special relationship was because David understood mercy, not justice. He understood justice too, but David was focused on, he understood God's mercy. He needed it in his life. He often needed people to speak into his life. Remember, he was going to wipe out Nabal. He was all about justice and retribution until Abigail said, you're going to regret this. You need to be merciful. Then there's a verse. Did, did you ever wonder why our church is the way it is? Like, why, why is, why is the, Syrac the Syracuse church has never been a large church? I think our top membership ever was 76, and I think we've hit it twice if I remember my history right. Did you ever wonder why? You know, why, why does a Windsor and a Kitchener and a Mansfield get really, really big? And I can tell you why. It's verse 12, it's verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. So I better not be asking, God, why is this the way it is? God, why did you put me here? Why did you put this person here? 
Because God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. So rather than wondering why, I should say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be part of this body. Because you believe that this is the body that can help me grow the best and prepare me to be forever with him. And then we get to chapter 13. And, and I, love how, I love how, of course, when Paul wrote the letter, there weren't chapters. Somebody in their wisdom, I guess it's so we could find the verses easier. Because you imagine if it was Corinthians verse 350. You know, it's, so it's easier for us to get to chapters, right? But we know that Paul went from talking about all these gifts and how we should really covet the best gifts. And I think what that means is we really should desire to be utilizing the best gifts possible. Why? Because that's why we're here. We're here to labor for God. And when we do, it is joyful. When you are growing spiritually, when, when you are growing mentally, physically, you are happy. When you're growing spiritually, you are spiritually happy. You are maturing. And there is no retire. Did you ever notice there is no retirement in the Bible? The Bible does not talk about retirement. There is no such thing as I get to be 62, 65, 67, whatever it is, and now I get to go sit. It doesn't exist in the Bible. And spiritually, we grow until the day we reach perfection. And when is that? I think it's just before we exhale our final breath. And let me explain why. You've heard the story of my, that my mom talks about my Aunt Luella, where for, just before Aunt Luella was dying, a few days before she was dying, she was really tormented by Satan. He was tempting her. And then there came this time just before she passed where she said to my mom, can you see the angels all around me? Satan can't touch me anymore. I kind of think that was perfection. Because we are complete in him. The choir used to sing, complete in thee, no work of mine. In that moment, when Satan no longer has, a, has influence, I think we're perfect spiritually. And then we go home. So until that time, we got to keep growing. But Paul said, you know, all of these things are wonderful. But he said, but I'm showing you a more excellent way. You can have all of these things. You can be the most gifted. You can be the most talented. You can be the best orator. You can be the best discerner. And if you don't have love, you got nothing. You're useless. I heard a story of a woman that always worried that could she really be the light she needs to be? And the way the story went was this woman frequented a store. And there was this person that she saw frequently in the store. And one day this person stopped her and said, can I ask you a question? You are always smiling. Why are you always smiling? And she said, because I'm saved. And Jesus is my Lord. And she glorified God. That's why she smiled. 
She worried, was I going to be able to measure up and be the evangelist that I need to be? And yeah. And it started with a smile. It started with a love for people. And you could see it. You could, she couldn't hold it back. She was smiling and probably didn't even realize she was smiling. I need to work on smiling. She clearly didn't. Are we smiling? Has the book changed us? And then there's one reference in closing I'd like to read in Ezra. Ezra chapter 3. Verses 10 through 13. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord according to the ordinances of David, the king of Israel. And they sang together by course in the praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good for his mercy endureth forever. Sounds like Bible class, doesn't it? Toward Israel. And all the people shouted a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. What did we read in Bible class? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is a miserable world that we're living in. There's nothing but negativity. There's nothing but miserable fear. That Mankind is so fearful about what's going on. Well, why don't the redeemed of the Lord say so? And one of the problems is that too many of the redeemed of the Lord are being critical. It doesn't say let the redeemed of the Lord be critical says, let the redeemed of the Lord... Now, I know there's a scripture that says we need to rebuke the works of darkness. I understand that. But nobody's going to listen to anything we have to say unless they first establish a connection with us in some way. If we show love, we can have difficult conversations. But if we come across as being judgmental and critical, to start with, we can't have any conversation with people. But many of the priests and the Levites and the chief fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of the house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy. They weren't weeping because they were sad. They were weeping because they saw the, the house of the Lord being rebuilt again so that the people could not discern the noise of the shouts of joy from the noise of weeping of the people for the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off. Why are we here? And have you been changed by the book? And if we have, does anybody know? May the Lord add his blessing to this word.